How's it going? Comments, questions, comments, whatever. So, um, in the group interview, I, I had one of the group interviews I had with you. Um, one of the things you said is there are multiple layers of delusion. Multiple layers of delusion. If I remember correctly, which which I feel pretty discouraging at the moment. <laughs> hearing, hearing. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so the long comment about um, multiple layers of delusion and couldn't see it for a long time. Now she's seeing it and understands that, you know, greed is delusion or greed is accompanied by delusion, aversion is accompanied by delusion. And so she had some, you you, you said uh, this morning, I had some neck pain, right? And then I had some aversion to the neck pain. And you're wondering, well, is that delusion? Right? That was the question. And so you're just kind of wondering, how, how do you see delusion in, the, in that experience? <clears throat> you, show me, you show me you want me to do this in public? <laughs> you know, pl- please forgive me for anything I'm going to say, but... <laughs> Please forgive me for anything I say in case it embarrasses you or something. But we all have this. <clears throat> when we say, oh, I have some neck pain. First of all, I is a delusion. Having is a delusion. And neck is a delusion. And so is pain. <laughs> okay. So now, do you want me to deconstruct that a little bit for you? <laughs> you see, we... we First of all, we, we, claim, we, owner, we claim ownership of I have. What do you mean, I have? Really, what actually happened is, uh, you know, discomfort was noticed, right? Discomfort arose. Discomfort was being known. Locating it, which is a concept, my neck, or neck was being known, or the idea of neck, 
you know, pain is a kind of a, um, is the aversive flavor of, un- of, of, of unpleasant. You know, if, if there was no aversion to unpleasantness, would you feel it as pain? Okay, this is, this is, this is, this is beginning. How you, this, is, this is just pointing to how you would look at this situation. If you really could see, oh, okay, unpleasantness arose, yeah. And if, if it's not my neck, my pain, is that a problem or is that less of a problem? And then when we say, if we say, oh, the, the kind of discomfort or the kind of unpleasantness it is, is stiffness, aching, hardness. Okay, so stiffness is being known, hardness is being known, aching is being known. Where's the pain? I don't like it. It's painful. Okay, you, be, you, see, where I'm, you see how I'm beginning to look at this? So if we step back from identifying it as mine, as locating it as my neck, I mean, generally we can say, my neck's killing me, <laughs> you know. But that's the, that's, the ordinary, um, that's the ordinary way of understanding my neck pain. Uh, but the dharmic view, the right view, the dharmic view is discomfort is being known and I'm owning it as mine, or ownership as mine. That's, that's kind of identification, some kind of craving, holding on to it as mine is being known. Sorry. Because what happens is, if, if we can just step back from it, you know, here it is, my neck is killing me. Ah, ah, ah. So we step back of it, we step back from it one layer and we see, okay, all right, wait a minute, let me just relax. Okay, what's actually going on there? Well, there's throbbing, there's pulsing, there's aching. Okay, is aching you? No. Is throbbing you? No. Pulsing you? No. Okay. So we step back from it, and we step back from it, and we step back from that. And eventually we get these, you know, sensations of phenomena happening somewhere in space that are being known. But, but you can see that that takes a lot of disidentification, it takes a really steadiness of mind that doesn't let the idea of neck and my creep in there. Those are additions. The bare experience is unpleasantness being known. Everything else is layers of delusion. Sorry. That's the, that's, that's the deep view. Sure, yeah, 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 it's all concept. Neck is concept, pain is concept. If you recognize, oh, this is, this is the idea. We have this idea of, and then we can just see, oh, this is the story I'm telling myself, about myself. There's a whole narrative that's going on there. My neck, it's happening, am I going to get rid of it? No, poor me, what about, and I wonder if there's a chiropractic here, chiropractor here, and oh, maybe I better get cranial sacral. Uh, no, uh, uh. You know, the story just goes on and on. But in a moment, there's just, and if you can recognize the story, if you can recognize the sensation, if you can recognize the identification, the holding on, then you start to you start to disentangle. You start, as I mentioned in one group, mindfulness is a solvent that we pour on all of these identifications. This clump of identification. My neck's killing me. It's an old ski injury. That's so. There's there's this 
big knot of mental, emotional, physical, and, and sensorial stuff. And you pour mindfulness on this knot, and what do you get? A little pixel of discomfort here, and a little memory there, and a little identification here, and and it's just, you get the exploded view of, the pixelated view of my neck's killing me. There's no my, there's no neck, there's no killing, and there's no me. There's stuff being known. Continuity is the key. Okay. Huh? Yeah. I can't see, I can, I can see a hand, but I can't see a face. Okay, gotcha. You know, it, I mean, even, you know, okay, so from the ordinary, this is my neck and it's painful thing, we can say, okay, neck, you know, be nice, relax, it's okay, this is the way it is. And all that helps to calm the reactivity in the mind, you know, to where it's like, oh my God. You know, it's like, okay, 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 it's all right. I can just relax. And you can relax your relationship or your attitude towards pain in my neck. Okay. And then you can do, you know, you can get some symptomatic relief by going, ah, there. You know, you just tilt your head, you twist your head, you twist your neck or something, and you might get some relief. Or you reach your hand up and you go, ah. Okay, symptomatic relief. That's good. But it doesn't... Symptomatic relief is, is an illusion of not suffering. Yeah, it reduces the symptoms of you know, the painfulness, but the deep holding pattern in the mind that is being reflected in that pain in the neck. Pain in the neck. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> my mind just went off on a, <laughs> you know, pains. Um, so if we can, if we can, Understand that discomfort in the body is often a result of holding in the mind. Not all, not all, but a lot. And if we can forbear the discomfort and watch the mind unravel the whole story, the whole narrative around this discomfort, you can sometimes get to the, to the actual holding in the mind that is the seed condition of that pain in the neck. You understand what I'm saying? There's a whole story around that. And it's often some holding in the mind. You know, some assumption, some belief, some pain that we're holding on to is me, is mine, I got hurt, I, I'm ashamed, you know, they did this to me, or whatever. There's all kinds of ways we hold our neck because our mind is frozen in some memory frozen in some idea, frozen around some concept about ourself or someone else or something that happened to me. And when we can get to the bottom of it and you just kind of unravel the whole narrative, you just take apart the whole tapestry and all it is is a pile of threads on the floor. It's like pixelating this, this whole story. And that's where you get, that's how you get to the bottom of, you know, the holding, you know, 
holding on to the neck is one thing, but holding on to the ideas that feed the feed the holding in the mind. You know, the mind grabs a hold of a concept, and until you let go of that concept, there's going to be some tension in the mind reflected somewhere as tension in the body. Okay. Okay, kind of. So there's always room for improvement. That's why I say, you know, there's always room for improvement. Seeing a little more deeper. There's layers. There's just multi- multiple layers of delusion is, is exposed by multiple layers of wisdom. You know, you just work down through the layers of the mind. You know, we just work, keep working down. Just keep going. You know, until you get to the bottom. The bottom? <laughs> I thought this was an elevating practice. Wait. Okay. Oh, oh wait. I, I was pointing to this guy. Just, excuse me. Yeah. So, I was pleased to notice this pattern as it happened. Yes. That was pleasant. But, and I'm aware that of the variable nature of collectedness. 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 Mm-hmm. Or concentration. Mm-hmm. Um, are there objective markers? of samadhi or is it just you know it when you see the pattern the thought that arose in my sit was it was pretty together but then like a swell of doubt that how would I ever is there a chance that I'll always misunderstand that like whenever I think that something is there Yes. That really what people have been talking about for 2,600 years is over here, and yeah. I'll never... So are there objective, like, this is... This is it. <laughs> like, in the polycanon, or is there, like, some list that's like... Oh, <laughs> you know, uh, so the question is about... You were talking about collecting this samadhi, and it felt like samadhi, or it seemed like this is what collectedness was, samadhi. And is, is there some objective criteria to kind of check off and check off and check off? And if I got them all there, then that's samadhi, right? Or, I mean, samadhi is easy. Wait till you get to other things that are more complicated and elusive. And, you know. But nevertheless, yes, there is. You know, there are very detailed descriptions of different states, whether it's samadhi or jhana or different uh, insight knowledges, vipassana jnana, insight knowledges. And yes, the, the problem is that when you read words or when you hear words from me talking about do, 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 whatever it is, and I'll tell you the, the markers of of samadhi are the five jhanic factors. Five jhanic factors are connecting of the mind, sustaining of the mind, piti or joy, interest, zest, delight. And then fourth is sukha, happy comfort of mind and body. And fifth is one-pointedness of mind. Yeah, and you could go, yeah, 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 I got all five. Is this samadhi? Well, what are those five? Now we gotta go back and say, okay, what is connecting? What is vitaka connecting? What is sustaining? What is piti, joy? And, you know, when we were doing this, when I first started teaching the three-month course, uh, you know, back 25 years ago, we would have these rather involved and delicate discussions around what English word best 
points to the kinds of experiences that people have on long retreats, whether it's joy or bliss or whatever. And it's like, no matter what word you come up with, it's just a word. And if I say the word joy to you, you know, there's a hundred of you in the room, there's a hundred or two hundred different ideas of what joy is. <laughs> you know, so it's really hard to, to say, here's the words, here's the map, you know, read the map or, or here's the list, check them off, and you'll know. You won't. You know, there's, there's the knowing that comes from experience. You know, and a, a, there's a, I, I don't like to use this word, but there's an intuitive knowing. Um, I don't want to make too much of intuition because there's all kinds of stuff like intuition. But, um, you know, there's a way that we have to decide for ourselves. And ultimately on the path of awakening, it's always decide for yourself. You know, are you suffering or not? And, you know, a lot of people aren't suffering until they start practice. And then they realize, <laughs> no, 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 no. Pra- <laughs> no, practice doesn't make you suffer. Practice just exposes what's already there. You know, so you practice and you practice and practice and you realize, geez, you know, there's a lot of suffering in here. That's what I used to like about Upandita. You know, he, Upandita was really, you know, some, he was really demanding and he's really very stern and, and you just have to, you really have to work hard. It's, it's helpful if you work with balanced energy, but sometimes you don't. And he really makes you work hard. And some, some students, some Western students have said, He's too hard. He's just not, he's not even compassionate. He just really is demanding and taskmaster. He's not, he doesn't have any velvet gloves, nice, soft, touchy-feely. He's not that kind of guy. Okay, but think about this. He will make you practice. If you want to practice with him, you've got to practice in such a way that you are definitely going to find the holding and suffering in your mind. You are definitely going to find it. Even if you don't think you've got any suffering, if you practice with him, you'll find it. <laughs> and it's not because of him. It's because it's there. It's in there. But he knows the mind. He knows how to get you to see it. Because once you see it, then you can, then you can figure out how to let go of it. At the end of practice, or as you move along in practice, you get freer and freer of suffering you never knew you had. But you're really free. Is that compassion or not? If somebody who, if there's somebody that can make you, you know, because of your interest and your relationship with them and your willingness to practice, if there's someone that can make you go through the false illusions of freedom, non-suffering, whatever, to see the source of it, suffering along the way, and letting go of it, once you're free of suffering, that's the whole goal of, of compassion, isn't it? Compassion is to help relieve others of suffering. That's what he's doing. But it's not through being nice and soft and kind of, Not that there's anything wrong with that. But there's another way to get to the end of suffering too. I don't think that was the question you asked, but... <laughs> it was a rant I had to kind of share this morning. <laughs> Evidently. <laughs> I had <coughs> some caffeine this morning. <laughs> How could you tell? <laughs> it's best to think of samadhi as a spectrum from totally mindless and restless to more calm and stable and tranquil 
and collected. But as the Buddha said, there's no end, no end to how concentrated the mind can become. And so there's, there's a spectrum, but one end of the spectrum is totally open. It just goes on. So at some point you can get an idea of like, oh, this is samadhi. But I'm, I'm sure all of us, I mean, I certainly have, and I'm sure many of you have had, you know, you have a sitting and you say, wow, this is really calm. This is really clear. Whatever it is, this is really calm. This is really clear. This is really just so insightful, just so, just get it, right? And then, you know, a week later, you keep practicing, a week later, and you drop into some place and you go, oh my God, this is really the calm. I was, mis- <laughs> I was mistaken before. I thought that was calm, but this is really calm. You know, and it keeps going like that. I haven't seen any end to it. <sighs> Today's Saturday. It's spring. Well, the sun is out. <laughs> it's our last day of practice. There's some um, adjustments to the schedule. I think you probably, they've put a, the schedule for the day up on the board. I just want to draw your attention to the fact that at 2 o'clock, we'd like you all to come to the hall. There'll be some uh, talk about the end of the retreat, and I'll speak about the practice of dana generosity. Again, and there'll be some closing information for the retreat, ride coordination and things like that. And at 3 o'clock, again, there'll be the mindful movement with the maestro. And at 4 o'clock, and that will end right on time. And at 4 o'clock, starting (laughs) right here, right then. Won't it, Franz? (laughs) And at 4 o'clock, we'd like you in the hall because there'll be some... Uh, instruction and guidance to help break the silence and um, practicing awareness while speaking. Dinner at five, back into silence, final Dhamma talk this evening and tomorrow there's, there'll be, they'll put up a schedule. We'll be done by 10. Okay, there's a lot to see today, particularly how the future emerges and how you, not so much what you imagine about the future, but how you're relating to it. Excitement, sadness, grief, disappointment, doubt, anxiety. Watch that. That's where, that's where the suffering is. Tomorrow will come in its own way. Experiences will just happen. We don't have to make it happen. We don't have to plan it to happen. But watch how you're relating to it now. It's just a thought. Yeah. Okay. Anything? No, uh, walk over to uh, the, uh, For, oh, the forest refuge? Today? No, tomorrow. Isn't there something? 11 o'clock, optional tour of the forest refuge. Yeah, tomorrow, optional tour of the forest refuge. Meet in the front of the white column. 10 o'clock, there's books and books and stuff like that. And I will be putting out, uh, we'll be putting out a, a, sh- a little half sheet of paper of all the information on how to get Utejaniya's books and on his mailing list, a daily reminder of some of his teachings, e-books, and what's that cloud sound, SoundCloud? Who, who did that one? SoundCloud? His books are read on SoundCloud. And it, this, this, all that information will be on a little sheet of paper. Pick one up for yourself. 
Okay, fare thee well. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.